Ooh, it's episode number 69 of the Sleep Whisperer podcast. I'm your host Deepa, author, functional nutritionist and yogini. Dr. Spencer Zimmerman is a nurse practitioner and chiropractor. His goal is to help patients achieve better health. His clinic is located in Idaho. Having received both degrees, he combines the best of both worlds and brings an approach rarely seen. He takes a brain-based approach to understanding why the brain isn't functioning optimally, an area of common concern for many patients with brain-based issues is poor sleep quality. Having extensively studied peptides, functional neurology, functional medicine, functional immunology, he utilizes a unique approach to evaluate the brain. Having a wide range of tools, he utilizes RTMS, neurofeedback, QEEG, hyperbaric oxygen, vision therapy, vestibular therapy and supplements to allow his patients to break through the barriers that prevent recovery. His practice is an integrative one where he sees individuals suffering from a wide range of neurological and autoimmune conditions including insomnia, concussions, TBI, stroke, neurodegeneration, autoimmunity and neurodevelopmental disorders. Is the brain directly the cause of poor sleep? Is it being impacted by something else? How can you use functional neurology to evaluate your brain and balance the brain to promote better sleep? Do head injuries, whiplash, traumatic brain injuries and concussions play a role in poor sleep? But many of us have also bumped our head or just fallen down, not taken it seriously since we were told it did not have impact. This is not quite true and those bumps can cause ripples of reverberations over time which impact our brain, sleep and everything else. What's great is that there's so much you can do even if it has been years since you hit your head. This episode is a masterclass on assessing and supporting your brain health. Welcome to the Sleep Whisperer Podcast. I'm your host, Deepa. Join me and my many expert guests and medical professionals from the cutting-edge science of functional medicine of the West and ancient wisdom of the East. Learn all about how to discover your root causes of poor sleep and understand the proper tools and techniques to end your confusion and begin getting a good night's sleep. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey with the Sleep Whisperer Podcast. Dr. Z, welcome to the Sleep Whisperer podcast. A pleasure to have you. And today we are speaking about going to the source, a brain-based approach of evaluating and restoring sleep. And um, I'm so glad you mentioned this because we haven't actually done a brain-specific episode. We've done an episode with a neurologist, but this is very different. And functional neurology is always something which is fascinating. So I'm really looking forward to our conversation. And you have an interesting journey as well. And you're a nurse practitioner, chiropractor, but you've also done extensive research in functional neurology, functional medicine, all of which is dear to my heart. So could you first just give us a little quick sneak peek into Dr. Z's own journey before we go into what we're geeking out about today? Yeah, so for me, I'm a why person. It's, well, why is this happening? And in chiropractic school, it was about, you know, the nervous system is master system. And ended up finding a group that did functional neurology. And what was interesting along that way is as I'd come home telling my wife about some of the patients that we helped and the symptoms that they saw, she was like, 
I have a lot of those and we dug through her history and she was actually suffering from post-concussion syndrome for about 17, 18 years mm. that had never been properly evaluated or treated. And so after we got her the care she needed and I was able to help treat her, and all of a sudden, all of these symptoms she's had for years, and one of them being sleep, started to improve. Mm. And uh, I must say, when you said she'd been suffering from a concussion, I've had several hard bonks to my head through various different situations. And I don't think we give enough importance to this because I think overall, if someone is not at that moment diagnosed, quote unquote, with something like concussion, they tend to ignore even a pretty hard bomb to the head, which can be deeply detrimental. And I know that the repercussions reverberate through me even today. There are times when I switch without realizing into a high sugar diet and go lower on the fats. And then I suddenly feel that pain radiating back in the right side of my brain. And then I feel problems with vision, I feel anxious, I feel depressed, I feel like the world is a little bit more scary. But I'm so glad that you were there to help your wife and uh, lucky for her, she had someone in her corner. But what actually did you do in terms of her? I'd love to know a little bit about how you personally helped her. If you might share a little bit to whatever level you're comfortable. Yeah, so hers was a pretty long journey. You know, there's the concussion, but then there's also the dietary part. You know, she's got a severe gluten sensitivity if she's mm -hmm. not celiac. You know, it's like she can touch gluten. She's going to have a headache within 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And so it was getting her diet where it needed to be. But then it was doing the functional neurological examination where we look at balance. We look at her eyes and it was like, you know, whenever I did her test, I was like, yeah, you fall in the middle range of all the patients I see with new concussions. And it'd been years. I'm mm. like, no wonder why you have all of these issues. And so as we found the parts of her brain that weren't performing as well as they should, and then we gave her specific exercises to strengthen them. Now she started doing better. We also did supplements, you know, as we talked about nutrition and then I also used hyperbaric oxygen therapy with her as well. Wow. And it's good that you have access to so many more things. I think my experience with the hyperbaric chamber or rather I, my need for it was when uh, my dog, my Dalmatian was bitten by a cobra and got paralyzed neck down and they suggested the hyperbaric oxygen chamber. And then, of course, in India, there's no such option for veterinary usage. Uh, but I can definitely... Uh, say that she was extremely lucky not just to have your thinking cap on and your loving uh, care for her, but also option to all these different tools which allowed her to heal. Um, and you mentioned going back to the source in terms of sleep. So I'm quite fascinated by that term you mentioned. So is the brain directly the cause of poor sleep? And because in the sleep world, there's a lot of information today on how the lack of deep sleep impacts the brain and the this direction. But you were the first person who mentioned to me that the brain can be the reason for so I'm quite keen to get into that a little bit. Yeah, the brain for me is one of the number one causes, because even when you're doing thyroid help to help someone with their sleep, gut help, ultimately, what are you trying to affect? Mm. The brain. Yes. And so the brain is either directly involved or it's being directly influenced by something else that changes the balance. So our body and our brain specifically should be in a rest and digest state for the overwhelming majority of the time. Mm. And that part of the brain called the parasympathetic nervous system should 
dampen down the fight or flight response, the sympathetic. That is like one of its most important jobs. But when the brain's not healthy, it can't do that. And that's one of the reasons we see people who have racing minds at night. And they'll say, my mind just races. I'm dead tired and I lay down, but yet there goes my mind a million times an hour. Mm. And it's because that balance is off from what it should be. And that's where, when we evaluate the brain, we see those imbalances and can say, Hey, you know what? You're running hot. You should be idling at this level, but you're idling way above that. Mm. And it's giving you the sleep issues. And so that's why I believe the brain is the source for it because it's ultimately what everyone's trying to affect. And I do want you to describe that a little bit, Dr. C, because people do relate to the racing heart and the anxiety. But when you say the brain, actually, if your brain is unhealthy, this balance between sympathetic and parasympathetic doesn't happen. Can you just go into that a little bit more detail? Because I would also like you to explain in case someone is still a little unfamiliar with these terms, what exactly is sympathetic and parasympathetic? And we have gone into this in several episodes, but in the context of someone with an unhealthy brain, I would like you to explain it a little bit for us. Yeah, so whenever we're looking at parasympathetic, that's most well known for rest and digestive function but it's also where healing occurs. And that's why it's so important to get proper sleep. But whenever we're talking about digestion, we're saying producing stomach acid, producing digestive enzymes and activating them, having good motility, not having constipation and not having diarrhea, having good absorption, Mm. having the thyroid function, gallbladder function, all of those are dependent upon a healthy rest and digest system, which we call the parasympathetic. Sympathetic is our fight or flight. This is our, you're being chased by a bear. Mm. And when we talk about like ancestral eating, whether it's paleo or any of the other types of diets, when you think about what ancestors would have done, they were never being chased by a bear 24 seven. They would go find the food they were getting, whether they were picking it, hunting it, they would do that. They would feast upon it. And then they would have a break where everything would calm down. They would build back and they would recover. Mm. But in today's world, for so many different reasons, our brain is in this fight or flight response. And we've kind of got this background rhythm running even if we're not aware of it, where our subconscious is just running and running and running, creating that imbalance between the rest and digest, our parasympathetic and our sympathetic, which is our fight or flight system. Beautiful. And um, I know that people relate to what you're saying, but so often you hear someone saying that I can't sit still I feel I need to keep doing, doing, doing. And of course, that's something which sounds so familiar in what you spoke about sympathetic, but they actually feel and they believe deep down to their very soul that sitting and doing uh, meditation or breath work is an unproductive waste of time. And uh, they start to actually believe that their time could be better put to use if they were doing something. And all what you're saying is that those moments of calming down are actually profoundly required for the body and the brain to heal. Um, And you did mention in the context of your wife about testing. So I would like you to explain a little bit about Uh, What is, how can you use functional neurology or testing to evaluate someone's brain health? Because I would personally love to know what is the state of my brain's health. And I may just have you do a session for me to understand what's happening inside my brain, because I can say that 
it feels uncomfortable. I can say that at certain times when I'm in high stress, I feel the impact. But what what is the actual evaluation? I don't know that. So could you just walk us through that? Yeah, and first I want to just mention what is functional neurology. That's a term that most people probably yes. aren't aware of. Yes. It's very different than a traditional medical neurology. Traditional medical neurology, if you have a whiplash or an injury to your head, they're just going to do imaging and say, do you have a bleed? Do you have a fracture? Yes or no. If you don't, that's really the end of it. They may give you some medications to help with concentration issues, sleep issues, mood changes that occur. But even if they give you those meds, it doesn't actually address the issues with how the brain connects. And so functional neurology is about looking at the functionality of the brain. And as we look at the functionality of the brain, we can say, here's how these different parts are functioning and what we need to do to rehab it. So when I do a functional neuro neurological exam with a patient in my office, there are three things I do. Um, if it's done long distance, I'm only able to do two of these. All right. But one is I do a oculomotor examination. So I look at your eye movements. So if you've ever watched a game where you see someone may have suffered a concussion, you'll see the trainer will go on the field and they'll be like, okay, look at my thumb, right? They'll, yes. they'll have them track it. What I do in the office is the patient wears goggles where we get video recordings and tracings of what their eyes do with a variety of tasks. Mm. And depending on what they have issues with, I can hone into different parts of the brain for what we need to rehab. Next, an area that commonly gets impacted with concussions is our balance centers. Okay. And that's our vestibular system. Everyone, if they know about the vestibular system, they think about the inner ears right? and the vertigo, Yes, but that is only a small percentage of what it does. Hmm. And so as we go through a balance assessment, we can isolate where the brain is having issues, but it also gives us a lot of answers. And it's one of the reasons why so many patients with ongoing not only concussion issues, but just when their brain is unhealthy, they'll have chronic neck pain mm. that doesn't resolve with anything. And yes. it's because no matter what you do, whether it's chiropractic, physical therapy, the brain's like, I'm trying to protect you. I'm, mm. I'm trying. Like, please stop messing with my reflexes. Mm. And so beautifully put because there's such a large number of people who struggle with neck issues. They're doing everything. They're trying to exercise. They do uh, infrared therapy, physiotherapy, and it's just never getting better. And I don't think a single one of them connects it to the health of their brain. No, you're absolutely right. You know, I work with a lot of providers and it's as I'm able to talk with them, they're now connecting the dots because when you try to change the way the muscles and the joints interact, it's only as good as the brain's ability to take in and utilize the information mm. outside of it. The brain says, I'm sorry, we're confused. Here's what we're doing. And that's why people get frustrated because they don't feel like the results hold. Yes. And it's because the brain needs to be in a proper state to truly take in the information right. Yes, absolutely. And you mentioned three ways of testing. Yep. So the last way of testing that I do with patients in the office that I can't do long distance is called a QEEG. So it's quantitative electroencephalogram. Mm. And if you're familiar at all with someone who's had a seizure, they'll typically have a cap on their head. Yes. To look at their brain waves. Yes. Now that's only a small fraction of what a QEEG or that technology is capable of. So there's actually a way to get their brain waves, run it through software, and it says based upon your profile that we're seeing, 
like for my wife, mm. even though, like I said, it'd been 17 to 18 years, actually, no, it'd been 20 years by the time I had the technology to run this on her. Mm. It still showed she was at like a 90% likelihood of having a traumatic brain injury. Wow. Because her brain waves had never fully healed to the level they should have. And that's really important to know because it's about susceptibility for their long-term brain health. Whereas I can see on the other side, I had a patient recently who has a lot of sleep issues and you look at your brain waves. You've got brain waves meant for sleep. You've got brain waves meant for relaxation. You've got brain waves meant for using your focus, concentration, and cognition. Mm. And if you have the wrong balance of it, you will see sleep deprivation issues in there. And wow. in this one individual I'm thinking of, they were running hot. And I was like, your brain is in a constant state of who's going to attack me. Wow. And it was no surprise that they couldn't sleep because they were always on an alert like a military veteran who's used to being attacked. But this is happening to people in just the regular population because of trauma, car accidents, and other injuries. But even outside of other injuries, just different stressors put on their brain that their brain isn't able to be resilient with. Mm. And uh, I mean, it, it, is this accessible to people if they want, or is it in very few places that they can get these kind of testing done? Um, depending on the testing, it's becoming a lot more accessible depending on where you live. So QEEGs are definitely becoming a lot more well-known throughout the world. Mm. There's a lot of associations, even in Europe, Australia, South Africa, Brazil, all of them, you know, you can find mm. providers who do QEEG. Wow. Eye movement and balance testing. You should be able to find providers typically for balance. That's easier to find. There's a lot of physical therapy places that do balance testing, mm. but the eye movement testing is harder to get because not as many people do it. Now I do want to let people know normal balance testing isn't always normal. Mm. And that's why the brain is so tricky is they'll say, well, your testing looks normal and it's normal for who? Exactly you are your own comparative analysis. So if you normally had fantastic balance because you did ballet or sports or dance and you're a 70, 80 percenter and you drop to the 50th percentile, that can be devastating. But for someone else, that's where they've always been and improving them a little bit's not going to have any impact. Mm. No, absolutely. This sounds so much like my functional testing because there's such a world of different in interpreting just a regular serum blood work. If you were to have it assessed by a traditional doctor versus someone in the functional world, and there's a world of difference in that. So, I mean, I think I should just tell our listeners, if you want to get all these assessed, go to Dr. Z and get yourself tested if you're somewhere around his vicinity. I wish I was, but I'm far, far away. Um, but Dr. C, do tell us now, how would you use, so if you've assessed someone and you've done these tests, let's say you've had someone come to you who has access to this testing. Uh, is that the only way you can proceed with someone? That's my first question, meaning would you be able to help somebody improve their brain health and therefore their sleep, even if you didn't have access to this testing? That's my first question. And the second, of course, if someone were to come to you and has access to this testing, then what's the next step and the way forward? Yeah. So for those who may not be local, you're very familiar in the functional medicine world, how we can give some general recommendations and they're going to help a set amount of people. Yes. 
And so there's a way to provide general recommendations of how to improve the brain health that's going to impact probably at least 50% of the people in a positive way. Mm. Now, for those that need more specific and in-depth evaluation, we do that in the office where we run through the proper testing and then we create a treatment plan for them. Depending on where they live and everything else, it can either be done in the office and they stay for an intensive, which is a one to two week treatment plan where we just reboot and promote mm. positive learning within the brain. Or I give you stuff to do at home and even over from a distance, I can say, okay, let's do this via Skype or through Zoom. See what your eyes are doing, see how your balance is changing and tweak what exercises you need to help restore that balance within your brain. Uh, so, I mean, I'm excited just to hear you say staying there for two weeks. It sounds so exciting that you put yourself safely into someone's hands and they're taking care of all that they need to do to f help your brain to heal. But what's the approach? So if you were to use functional neurology, and I understand what you meant about that without testing, you can help a set of people and beyond that, you probably need that testing. But what are the approaches that you use in functional neurology to help someone? Is it, uh, you mentioned certain forms of exercise, eye therapy, but is there, uh, do you use dietary intervention? Do you, so what, what, what does it comprise? Yeah, absolutely. So it's completely a comprehensive approach. Think about it like planting something. The brain is what we're trying to plant and grow. Mm. You wouldn't just throw a plant in the ground if the soil wasn't conducive for growth, if there wasn't the adequate water supply, if there wasn't good sunlight in where it's at. And that's where diet, supplements, functional medicine. So if you already are working with a functional medicine provider, you're that much further ahead because they in general do a really good job setting a proper foundation for your brain to be able to connect. And so as we address that foundation, now we're able to connect the brain at the highest level possible. And one of the things we do is we overcomplicate the brain. You can't raise your right arm without activating specific parts within your brain. Yeah. We just take for granted how awesome our brain is, but we use simple things that have profound effects within the brain. So we use eye movements based upon the deficiencies we see in the testing. We use specific balance exercises and rotational therapy. I use different sensory input modalities such as electrical and vibration, and then even photobiomodulation. So light therapy. Um, I do use hyperbaric oxygen therapy. I even can use neurofeedback. I can use transcranial magnetic stimulation, wow. which for most people, they don't know what that is, but it's worked fantastic. And I actually do transcranial magnetic stimulation with guided meditation. Wow. I want to experience that Dr. Z. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Combining it. It's about stacking it. So you get more than you would. So if we're trying to, and the best thing about it is the part of the brain that you calm down with transcranial magnetic simulation. So what that is, is there's a magnet placed and depending on how you use it, you can either make the brain connect more or not connect as strongly. Uh -huh. And so we try to get it to not connect as strongly with anxiety, with PTSD and with sleep issues. Uh -huh. And so we have them do a guided meditation that really calms them down and soothes them as they're getting the therapy. So it's better than it'd be if you just got one or the other. Okay. So, but is, does diet come into your mode of treatment ever, or is that something that you stay away from? Diet is one of the foundational things. If our brain does not have the proper fuel supply, hmm. we cannot make the changes we want to make. And beyond that, our brain is actually 90% immune system cells. 
And so we have to make sure that the diet we're eating is anti-inflammatory and it's going to promote positive connections within the brain. And there's nothing someone could do to self-sabotage their results more than to not eat right. And could you just tell us a little bit about what does that look like? Because I know that there's so much of confusion in the dietary world. There's polar extremes in terms of thinking and philosophy. And uh, do you believe that there's one perfect diet for improving brain health? Is it individual to each one? But is there a specific guideline when you say a brain's healing and supportive anti-inflammatory diet? In Dr. Z's brain, what does that look like? Yep. So for me, it's more of a what's considered a paleo style diet. So that's getting your veggies. Specifically, you want to make sure It's the organic ones. It's not the ones getting all the pesticides and the chemicals, very toxic for our brain. Also want to make sure you're getting your good fats, your avocados, your nuts, your seeds, your olive oil. Um, If you do meat and fish, your wild caught fish, your grass fed organic beef, Um, because our brain is made up of fats. And when our brain is unhealthy, it actually cannot use sugars in the same way. Yes. And it's one of the reasons so many people with unhealthy brains do better on a ketogenic salad diet because their brain can use ketones easier for fuel than it can the sugars. You're so right, Dr. Z, because I know that when I switched from my breakfast, having any sort of even healthier forms of carbohydrate, and I went into a keto style morning meal, which was rich in coconut milk and uh, antioxidants. And it there was a world of difference in my mental clarity, focus, the how stable my blood sugar felt all day long, uh, no anxiety. And it the moment I switch back to something else, I feel the difference right away. And that's because as you're getting that inflammation, when we talked about that fight or flight, you have your inflammatory receptors in your brain live in the fight or flight center. So when you get that inflammation, it revs it up and now you're in survival mode. And there comes all of those negative issues with digestion and brain fog. And you're not able to get a good night's sleep. Either it takes you too long to fall asleep or you wake up during the night or are just tossing and turning and don't get the quality that you need. Yes. And I'm just want to quickly take a little segue here and ask you because does, do you feel that? Yes, of course, I've had a bump to the head. And in fact, I do want to talk also about whether simple head injuries, whiplash and traumatic brain injury, you mentioned all that to me, how they play a role in poor sleep. But beyond that, I want to ask you, do you feel that uh, childhood trauma, emotional abuse, any form of traumatic experience, does that impact your brain health? Absolutely. I mean, that's one of my growing areas that I absolutely love is I use a medication called ketamine in the pra- in my practice mm. for helping to heal PTSD and depression. Wow. So when you have these old traumas, there's all these bumps and bruises that we're told, well, just suck it up. It's just part of life. Yes. But it changes the way our little brains wire and develop. And it puts it into a more primitive survival state. And it creates this network of inappropriate connections. And so dealing with the subconsciousness and those traumas is vitally important because as I do this with patients, there are the traumas we're aware of. And Mm -hmm. then there are the traumas our brain is hidden from us within our subconscious to keep us safe. Yes. But it's like lying to your spouse, your best friend. Mm. inwardly it still hurts you because you you really want to let it out but you're not sure how Mm. and the same thing is true when our brain is hiding those traumas from us only when those traumas are healed 
and they're able to be processed appropriately, does the brain function at the highest level? And that's why depression, PTSD, even without head injuries are linked to so many of the same long-term brain-based symptoms and conditions that a head injury is. And I, you mentioned this is an area you're really starting to focus. I feel as if I want to grab you back, Dr. Z, for a second episode just to talk about trauma, PTSD, sleep, and brain. Maybe we should do that at some point because I'm really fascinated and you're breaking things down in a way which is... Um, it's so knowledgeable, but it's so there's so much compassion and understanding, which I think you you are just a great practitioner. I'm, I think your patients are really blessed to be in your hands. Uh, so I would like us to talk at some point about the trauma. But uh, how do these um, head bumps impact our sleep? Because I've had several of them. I've, I mean, I don't want to go into my personal how those happen, but they've been pretty bad. Uh, I've hit the back of my head pretty bad. I've hit the right side of my temple really bad, which is where I keep feeling it every time I go off um, a diet or if I'm not sleeping or if I'm highly stressed, I can feel a pain exactly in that right side of my head where I bumped it. So just talk us through and I'm, I want listeners to also know that I'm not talking about the big bumps in accidents. It could just be you have a bump in your house. Maybe you've not even thought seriously about it, but how that's impacting sleep. Yeah, so I want to go back to what we talked about at the beginning. Most of our brain's output is to the rest and digest centers, our parasympathetic now, when you have these bumps to the head, it shifts that balance. And instead of it contr controlling and quieting down the fight or flight response, it now lets it become more and more dominant mm. because your immune system within the brain shifts when you take hits to the head. And unfortunately, when it shifts, it shifts into a heightened state. And the more heightened a state your immune system is, the more your brain will shift into a fight or flight response leading to sleep issues. And it's one of the reasons why head injuries, even if they seem mild and it's frustrating for people because they'll say, there's no way I got hit hard enough to cause that. Mm. But in the end it did, but it can give people different labels, insomnia. I've had narcolepsy patients from that. And it's chronic sleep issues are so common following these bumps to the head mm. because of what it does with shifting the brain. And unfortunately it keeps you in this perpetual loop. And so getting out of it does require a comprehensive approach with diet, with brain-based support as well. And even sometimes nutritional supplements and herbs to help with sleep. And I think I do want you to also clarify to our listeners that there is hope if they've had this kind of a bump to the head and they have anxiety or sleep because another concern, a growing concern of mine specifically is that a lot of people are put on antidepressants before being checked functionally, before being assessed in ways where they can, there's so much happening in terms of root causes, but they put on antidepressants and then sometimes five years down the line, they have side effects from it, but they don't know how to withdraw it at that point. They're in a vicious loop. Uh, so I would like you to clarify to our listeners that even if they feel anxiety, there is a lot they can do in terms of supporting their brain's recovery. Absolutely. There definitely is. I mean, I get patients all the time who've been dealing with issues for a long time. One of my most recent ones was actually in counseling for 40 years. Wow. You know, so 54 year old, um, who's had their life completely changed through the functional neurology approach with healing those past traumas, helping them sleep in a way they didn't think was possible. Mm. 
Mm. And so it's never too late to help with sleep. It's about finding the right approach for you. And that's why you need the right detective work. Because while there are many tools that can be used, just because there are many tools does not mean they're all what you need. Right. Use the diagnostics to see which ones you need and then to execute a plan most appropriate for you. Perfect. So it's very personalized and bio-individual. But of course, there is hope. And that's what I want to leave our listeners yes. with. Um, and you mentioned to me transcranial magnetic stimulation. That's a mouthful in itself. It's a new term for me. So please explain that to me. And how does that help to promote sleep? So transcranial magnetic stimulation it actually uses a MRI strength magnet mm. and you can do different settings with it. Depending on how you set it, you can use it for depression or anxiety or insomnia. And so I use it for all of those, mm. but the way I use it for sleep is I use it as an inhibitory mechanism, which actually is believed to cause release of GABA. Oh, and so in functional medicine, we always try to support GABA pathways. Yes, yes. But we're able to do this with a magnet to cause more of a release of GABA. Mm. And so we're able to bring back that balance within the brain using the magnet. And I also combine it with guided meditation as well to quiet them down as well as they're doing a guided meditation that's typically done in more of a alpha or a theta brainwave pattern. Wow. And this is all in your office? It's all in my office. Yes. Yay. So if you're close to Dr. Z, please don't waste time. Just go there and get yourself access to all of these tools because really it's transformational. And um, I want to ask you a little bit off topic here because there's a lot of link in the functional world in women's health that progesterone has a lot to do with GABA levels um, and that even women are estrogen dominant and they don't have low levels of progesterone, they actually have challenges with optimal GABA levels. So do you feel that this technique which you mentioned would still have that effect even if there was a woman who came to you and she had very low levels of progesterone is this a way that she could get benefit before putting herself on bioidentical hormones or yeah for a lot of patients they will definitely still see benefit you know from the functional medicine approach it's about saying well why aren't you producing it? Yes. And guess what's the first part of that whole cycle is the brain communicates down to either the ovaries or to the adrenals and says, mm. Hey, we need to produce it. And then that does a feedback loop back to the brain and hormonal based issues are actually very common with bumps to the head mm. and traumatic brain injuries. And so those, the hormone loops can absolutely be thrown off. And same with like the adrenal cortisol axis. That's all brain-based. Mm. And there's so many people who are having adrenal issues. And this, uh, I mean, most people tend to focus on adaptogens. And But you're saying go back to the source and look at the brain. So would you say even if someone didn't have a bump to the head and they're struggling with hormonal issues, which are not settling in spite of a lot of dietary intervention and supplementation that approaches on like such like yours which work on improving their brain health can still be very supportive to hormonal recovery yeah so i actually do my brain testing on everyone because i've just had so many patients coming in and they're like well i don't think i've had a concussion testing I well whether you had a to your head or not your brain is unhealthy mm. and if your brain's unhealthy we still have to fix it 
And what's interesting in a lot of these cases, they'll come back and be like, so I actually talked to family members and I've definitely had some bumps to my head. Mm -hmm. But because as a society and as a culture anywhere in the world, we're taught to minimalize those things. Well, that bump to your head can impact you. So you brush it out of your memory and out of your thought. And it's not till later that it's like, oh, well, I did have this. I just didn't think it was a big deal because it was right. 15 years ago. Yeah, I think that's about 90% of the population would be in that bracket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and you did mention, which was very interesting to me a little earlier, ketamine. What was the word exactly? I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but you mentioned that you use that to heal this uh, when they're sympathetic, parasympathetic, or anxiety, depression. So what what is that? Because I've never heard of it. So I would love to, is it a supplement? So some of your listeners may be familiar with some of the medicinal mushrooms. Yes. Um, psilocybin and different things like that. Yes. Ketamine is a medication that does have some psychedelic properties. Got it. It's used in anesthesia and post-operative pain. Mm. But one of the things they found out was when they gave it to individuals, it actually helped with their depression, even though they were using it for pain. Mm. And the more and more they researched ketamine, they're like, holy smokes, this has been way underutilized. And it's why nasal sprays for ketamine are FDA approved in the United States for depression because it actually changes the way the brain wires. It's Mm. protective for the brain and it actually promotes positive connections within the brain. And so it's been highly transformative for a lot of my patients who have those emotional traumas from childhood and just could never get over them despite years and years of counseling. And is this something that can only be um, provided by a practitioner who's focused in neurology or how is, is it a, always a nasal spray? What about safety in terms of usage? Yeah. So when I do it, I do it using injections in my office. So it's only done for six sessions okay. is what most people get over about a two week period. It's not a continuous thing. Yeah. Um, the provider does have to be a licensed medical provider. So you have to be a nurse practitioner, a physician's assistant, a medical doctor, or a DO. Mm. Most people do not do it unless it's in a specific ketamine clinic or in some psychiatric practices. But once again, I kind of do my own twist on it where I actually do have someone doing energy work with people as they're getting it. Where I see a lot better of results than I do just by administering ketamine on its own, because I don't think the medication should be the change. Yes. I think the medication can be used as a vehicle for change. And that's what we need to use it for is a vehicle and to facilitate the change that they're capable of. Beautiful. And I just love that, that intersection because I'm personally in that area of science and ancient wisdom so using tools like meditation alongside functional so that really resonated with me but and i'm also so happy that you said it needs to be monitored and used by a licensed provider because and is i'm presuming that the safety is also that it's not available outside of licensed practitioners Correct. Yeah. You have to be a licensed provider to prescribe it. And overall it is really safe, but it's got to be used right because anyone that's done any of the medicinal mushrooms, you know, psilocybin and those can be scary for people if you don't have a guide. Yes. And even with something like ketamine, that's in the system way shorter than psilocybin, you still need a guide. Yes the guide helps you get the most out of your healing journey. But so without tell, one, I consider irresponsible. 
Yes, absolutely. But do you do they actually have uh, side effects like um, psychedelic reactions? Not really, because it's not as strong. Okay. Um, you can get a little bit where you can like step out of your body a little bit. But most people feel completely normal an hour and 15 to an hour and a half after we start. Maybe a little bit of grogginess the rest of the day. But outside of that, the number one thing they get from that very first session is better sleep. Wow. Hands down. It's always better sleep. They're like, I haven't slept like that in ages. Wow. And it's because their brain could finally settle down enough to let them sleep and to start the higher recovery process. Um, I know we covered a lot, Dr. Z, but and I want to respect your time in this episode, but I would like to know, did you miss anything in terms of a brain-based approach to improving sleep? Is there something that you'd like to share before we conclude? I think we covered, you know, a, a lot and yes. I just want people to pay attention to the brain and because so often we get stuck chasing sleep with every other system within the body and outside of the body mm -hmm. that we forget to say, well, how is that one organ, our brain functioning anyways? So, yes. so don't forget the organ you're trying to change. Look at its function too. Mm. So that's I, really what I want people to take away. And I think I should have, we should have probably discussed this right in the beginning, but I do want to quickly get you to tell us, let's say someone doesn't recall if they've had a bump to their head and they haven't reached out to a practitioner like yourself as yet, could you just quickly give us a list of symptoms that might point towards needing to look at brain health a little bit more? Yeah, here are some of the most common symptoms that people have. Chronic fatigue, brain fog, mm. problems with finding words, mood changes, depression or anxiety, sleep issues, falling asleep, staying asleep, focus or concentration issues. Those are, you know, and then chronic neck pain and headaches as well. But those are the main ones. Um, you know, once again, chronic fatigue, I get patients all the time who are like, it's got to be my thyroid. It's got to be my hormones. Yes. But they've already had it checked 10 times. Yep. Or they're on supplements for it. And they're, and you're like, look, your levels actually look really good. I find it's the brain a lot of the time because our brain is such an energy demanding organ. Yeah, absolutely. And before I let you go, um, is there a set of nutrients that you love in terms of supporting brain health? Yeah, there's a lot of different nutrients I like, um, depending on what we're dealing with. I like things to help with, for example, the immune system and the stress cortisol response. Yeah. And so the adaptogens, while people view them as adrenals based, they all actually work on the brain. Yeah. And so whether it's Eulothero, Rhodiola, Ashwagandha, you know, and the different ginsengs out there, those are really good for that. Mm. I also like things to support energy, acetyl-L-carnitine, CoQ10, ribose, and some of the other B vitamins. Right. And then things to support blood flow and oxygenation, such as cuprazine, vinpocetin, ginkgo, feverfew, magnesium, you know, the list could really go on and on. Yes, yes. But those are some of the ones I really like to support the energy-based issues, the inflammatory-based issues within the brain. And then, of course, any supplements that support the GABA pathways, such as like valerian root, mm. um, lemon ball, 
and different things like that. Magnolia bark, DHHB are all really good. And then CBD, CBD can also be really good. That was a long list of (laughs) brain supporting nutrients, but, um, I've heard a little bit recently as well about ashwagandha triggering headaches. Any reason why that could be? Um, some people, you know, just have sensitivities to different supplements. And even though they're not as strong as medications, they still push certain pathways. Right. So if your brain can't tolerate with ashwagandha revving up your kind of your cognitive based energy and demanding more from it, Mm. you can now tip over into use. Right. Great conversation, Dr. C. And we've got a mantra on the show and I'd like you to complete it for us, which is if sleep is the new medicine, then how would you spin it for us? Sleep is the new medicine. What I tell every patient is you do not heal if you do not sleep Mm. because that is when your brain gets rid of the garbage. Imagine the garbage man not showing up. That's what happens when you don't sleep. And so with all the functional neurology stuff I've talked about, if we cannot get someone to sleep, they do not heal at the highest level possible. And so that's why for me, sleep is one of the most important things in all of medicine. Love it. And great, great conversation, Dr. Z. Really, I'm going to pull you back for another episode. It was an absolute pleasure having you. Where can people find you if they want to reach out to you and um, maybe come for that two-week brain healing program that you do? Yeah, so some of the easiest ways to do that would be Go to my office website, idahobrainandbody.com. And then the other one would be is on Facebook, Dr. Spencer Zimmerman. And follow me on there because while there are those that are able to fly and get care, I'm also finalizing a course to help people improve their brain health. And then even working on a book as well that people can read. to take different steps that they can do at home. Beautiful. Please tell me as soon as those are ready because I want access to both. (laughs) But thanks for being here today. And uh, it was an honor speaking with you and learning so much about the brain. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was great to be on here with you. everyone i hope you enjoyed the show just a reminder that this podcast is for information purposes only this is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified health professional this information is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services if you are looking for personal help on your health journey do seek out a medical practitioner please do make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with your doctor or otherwise qualified healthcare professional it is in no way intended as medical advice as a substitute for medical counseling or as treatment or cure for any particular health condition be sure to always work directly with a qualified health practitioner before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle that may feel out of your realm of comfort or understanding. If you are looking for an allied functional medicine practitioner, do seek out more information on www.phytothrive.com or www.sleepwhisperer.pro. It is important that you have someone who is qualified and understands your health personally in order to provide adequate care, especially when it comes to chronic health conditions. Conditions.